It is a special WrestleMania show on the Daily Wrestling News Show. Okay, now, from the beginning. This is a special edition of the Daily Wrestling News Show for the week. I'm on vacation or some other time. Uh, my name is Ryan Joy, and I am coming to you not live, but from the Minutes to Bell Time studio on the beautiful treasure coast of the Sunshine State. And I am joined today by the man who chose WrestleMania 36. One of his favorite WrestleManias, Al Carl. Good morning, sir. Here we are. Good morning, Ryan. How's everything going today? We're on, it's WrestleMania season. I'm excited. I can't wait. And uh, let, let's just get right to it. WrestleMania 36. A um, little bit of a backstory here. Um, this was actually supposed to be the launch of the Essential Wrestling Podcast, from from my understanding. Um, everything with COVID happened. The EWP got delayed, and uh, I had all these notes. I had all this stuff written down. I was ready to roll to, to, to pull the trigger and start uh, the Essential Wrestling Podcast with Tyler Adele, uh, WrestleMania week. And uh, unfortunately, we got delayed as well, just like everything else did. But uh, the, the main purpose, uh, why this is one of my favorites, everything got delayed, everything got delayed. Vince and the WWE, they kept rolling. They fought through it, and I give them all the credit in the world for that. So uh, we're 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 going to keep rolling with it. We have a um, so our agenda on these WrestleMania shows is a little different than our standard uh, daily wrestling news show agenda. We actually we start with a question, and then we hit trivia in the beginning of the show, and then we do a full breakdown of WrestleMania 36, and at the end of the show, we will decide whether it holds up this, to the test of time. And this WrestleMania is very unique because, um, A, it was just last year. So looking back at it with a historical perspective is a little bit more difficult than if you were to look at, say, WrestleMania 4, 5, 6, or even 20. Um, but we'll do our best to kind of judge that question. It's also really different because of the setting. So, um, so we'll get to it here. And, Al, the question, what is your earliest memory of WrestleMania? My earliest memory of WrestleMania, the first WrestleMania I ever watched, uh, was by VHS video cassette tape uh, when I was a little boy. Was WrestleMania Five, where the Mega Powers exploded. Mm. Um, Ultimate Warrior was defending the title. Uh, he actually ended up losing to Rick Rude. That upset me um, as a, you know, a little eight, nine year old. You know, I was a big Warrior fan. The first pay per view I ever saw was SummerSlam '88. And uh, that hooked me on the Ultimate Warrior. He came out and, and trashed the Honky Tonk Man within within a minute. So I was a big Warrior fan. I was upset that he lost the title to Rick Rude. He ended up getting it back uh, at SummerSlam. But WrestleMania 5 was the first video cassette um, that was in my little uh, small little booth at the the local shop right we used to shop at, where they had the, you, know, you could rent the the videos in there. So uh, yeah, the Mega Powers exploding. Uh, that whole thing with Hogan and Savage, uh, the, the Rockers got bum-rushed by uh, the Twin Towers. Uh, a match that actually made my top 30 favorite WrestleMania countdown, uh, Mr. Perfect versus the Blue Blazer, who was Owen Hart. So that was a, a hidden classic. Wasn't the longest match ever, but uh, it was definitely ahead of its time for the time that they gave him. Uh, but yeah, WrestleMania 5, and then the, the first WrestleMania I watched live 
uh, was WrestleMania six. Oh, and uh, Hogan Warrior, uh, like I said, I was the biggest Warrior fan there was. And uh, I haven't probably popped that big since uh, Warrior moved out of the way of that leg drop and hit the splash and became uh, WWF champion. Man, um, yeah, that four, five, and six range, that, that, that is, that's my jam as well. Yeah. Um, WrestleMania five, the, the thing that, that burns out to me, like I would always think of uh, Hogan, Hogan Savage in the main event, but that Piper's Pit episode was pretty awesome too. <laughs> yeah, 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 with uh, Robert uh, Morton Downey Jr., Yes, and uh, Brother, I believe Brother Love was the original guest, and then he shot him with no. He shot Morton Downey Jr. for a fire extinguisher because he was smoking in the ring. Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh, the eighties. I know. I know. You can't. You can't smoke anywhere these days. So. No, no, no. But he was Morton Downey Jr. You could. You could do what he wanted, right? At least he thought he could. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Piper made him pay for that, and uh, so, so like I mentioned earlier, we do things differently on these WrestleMania specials because obviously you would probably know the answer to the trivia questions at the end of the show. So we're going to ask them at the beginning of the show, and it, and it can't be as simple as who won this or who won that. Yeah, we'll get a little creative here because I know you've done some research. So uh, let me play our bumper, and we'll get we'll get going with trivia. Okay. Question one. Who okay. sang America the Beautiful to kick off night one of WrestleMania? It was the that was the montage. It was like everybody, right? It was they had Aretha Franklin and they had Lillian. Uh, they, 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 it was it was a whole it was a montage of all the past WrestleManias, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Boom, right off all the right. bat. This is a bit of a trick question and you nailed it. So that's good. Yeah, that was that was I, I actually really appreciate it. that was really that was really clever and really well put together. That was that was good. I don't know who they had lined up to actually sing America the Beautiful. I don't think they announced that ahead of time, but um, but that montage was great, I thought. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so um, how did AJ Styles arrive at the Boneyard match? Uh, he was in a casket in a hearse. We were supposed to believe it was The Undertaker coming in first. That's right. That's right. So you're two for two. You're right. Now, Gronk opened the show on night two. He said things were only going to get better because it's Sunday, and he knew a thing or two about A, winning championships on Sunday, B, going the distance on Sunday, C, dropping the hammer on a championship Sunday, or D, making your opponents beg for mercy on Sunday. I, I would think oh, – that, that, all right, I don't know. If, I, I would say he would know a thing about winning championships on a Sunday. I would, I would think it would be A. It's dropping the hammer on a championship Sunday. So I had to give you one real, real hard one. So. Yeah, that was tough. Yep. Um, when Gronk won the 24-7 championship, who took over as host of WrestleMania? <laughs> and you have you have choices. No, I don't even worry about it. Because okay. Titus's face after the Firefly Funhouse match was... <laughs> yeah, it's Titus O'Neil. <laughs> yes, I don't okay. know what the hell that was. I forget what he said, but that was... I have it in my notes, so we'll get to that. <laughs> and then finally, your last question is, which match was longer? Goldberg versus Braun Strowman or Drew McIntyre versus Brock Lesnar? Uh, the funny, yeah, I don't have the times on that. I have the scores. Both scores are four to three. We'll get to that. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, God. 
I'll go with I'll go with Lesnar and McIntyre. I think there was a little more uh, play within within the moves that they were doing. I think uh, Goldberg just hit the spears right away, and then the power slam. I, I'll, I'll go with McIntyre and Lesnar. Yeah, that's that's right. It was yeah. Uh, Braun versus Goldberg was two minutes eleven seconds. Drew okay. versus Brock was four minutes twenty eight seconds. Oh wow! So it was twice as long. Wow. Yeah, it was kind of like watching an episode of NWA Power. Those matches were quick. <laughs> <laughs> big move, big move. Go home. Yeah, some coffee left. All right, so uh, four for five, you know, and we he was the subject of one of the questions, so we'll give you the Goldberg Award. And let's move into WrestleMania 36. There we, we go. First WrestleMania, too big for one night. It occurred on April 4th and April 5th of 2020 in front of no fans. Yeah, it said it, uh, the indoor attendance record the other way. That's right. That's right. The event was originally planned to take place at Raymond James Stadium with a crowd of like 80,000 people. Okay. But a pandemic swept the globe, causing commerce, sports, and entertainment to pause. WWE worked with the state of Florida, continuing operating. And they put on a show with no fans. So thank you. Yeah, that was the deal. That was the big thing that the, the governor of Florida deemed professional wrestling essential. So, I mean, that worked. So WWE could do this, but I worked for AEW as well. Um, so, but that is actually, that's how we became the essential wrestling podcast. That's how, that's how we came up with the name. Well, pro wrestling essential. And that's why we pushed, uh, we pushed and pushed uh, the Eastern Observer. Uh, like, listen, like, we're still going. Like, I understand, you know, you guys, are, you're, uh, everything's paused right now. Uh, Vince is trucking along. The, the, the show must go on. He is dead set against that. And like I said at the beginning of this, that is the reason why this is one of my favorite. Like, he, they did this for us. They could have easily just packed up and went away, but they decided to fight through it. And, and they gave the wrestlers the options. And I want to say 95% of them did it like they went through it with them you know they may have taken time off afterwards but they decided like oh the, the fans need this the country needs everybody needs this right now and yet the, the backlash was oh it's not going to be the same because there's no fans it's not going to be the same because it's not in a big stadium it's not going to be the same. you know what they gave us what they could they could have easily just and then they would have got killed for that. Like, they're not even going to try. You know, so it, gets, it, it was a lose-lose situation from a fan standpoint. But they, the wrestlers busted their ass. The ownership and the production busted their ass to put this together for us. So that is why I'm choosing this episode for right now. And I, thank you. I, 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 I might be the only person in this entire world that was excited about WrestleMania was very thankful that they put their lives and their careers and their health in jeopardy just to entertain us. You know, who are we? That's, that's selfish on our part, asking to be entertained, you know, while there's a pandemic going on or spiking as big as it did uh, in March and April. And it's just, it's, there's no gratitude there. I, I, I don't get that. And the fun thing about this, Rye, the the, the storyline or the, the storylines aren't the same or they may have thrown to get things together last minute but the story was the pandemic now as running the pool that i run every morning i woke up what's happening today oh my god roman reigns is out and the next day what happened today oh my god the, the miz screwed up the miz is out what's happening today oh they they taped it two weeks early 
Now, as the owner of a website that does pickums, I can't I can't have these matches leaked. I have to pull them from the site. So it's just one of those things. Now I'm constantly looking through them, like, oh my god, did anything get leaked? And thank God nothing did. But it was it was a real life story that I felt I was involved in. And it was a lot of fun. Every morning I woke up, I don't know what I'm waking up to. It could be anything uh, on social media, any type of news article from WWE or from Uncle Dave or from Ringside News or wherever, you know, social media things pop up on my Facebook feed. Uh, it was just a crazy, crazy two weeks, three weeks. And it wasn't gold in the beginning when they were doing Raw and SmackDown with the empty arenas. They were trying, I think I think the first ever uh, the first show in empty arena was on SmackDown, and I think Bailey and Alexa Bliss got caught taking a break during a commercial, which right. was kind of funny. But like, what are you, what are you supposed to do? You know. So it was, you know, they worked through the the trials and the tribulations, and and they they busted the rat and they did it for us. And that's, I don't get, it's not the same. It won't be the same without a stadium. I just, I, you know, I love wrestling fans. I love wrestling, but sometimes, man, we're just so spoiled. (laughs) Well, I think, you know, when, when we look back at it, history is not going to be particularly kind to this WrestleMania. I think like, um, I think your, your viewpoint is a fresh one and it's a nice one because I don't think a lot of people are going to agree with that. No, I'm not planning them to, but that's, yeah. I'm not planning them to agree with me. But like I said, wrestling fans, unfortunately, they're, they're, they're the hardest critics. We'll just leave it at that. They're the hardest critics. If it's not perfect, then it's, or if it's not the attitude error. See, that's that's the biggest thing, right? You know, let's, let's just go off topic for like two seconds here. If wrestling today is not like it was when it was their childhood, they don't like it. They, you know, but the thing is they don't understand is, that, you know, yeah, it's not the Attitude Era, or it's even under the Golden Era, or whatever they want to call it. When me and you grew up, right? But you know, we grew up. Our mentalities changed. Sure. Yep. You know, the same argument with Star Wars. Well, there's, there's nothing. You know, the new ones aren't like the new trilogy. Well, you were not the same person you once were when that first trilogy came out. You know, like everybody, everybody grew up. Now, like, but then you have kids now that are watching this. You know, that are nine and ten or our age when we were watching Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior. They are loving this, and they're going to complain 20 years down the line. Oh, it wasn't the same, you know, back in 2021, you know. So it's just our mindsets changed. So, yeah, this is – I'm, so I'm, I'm just feel fortunate enough to watch wrestling. Um, now it's going to be on – it's on pretty much every day, five days a week, sometimes seven. And uh, I'm grateful to get to watch it, and I'm happy to be able to talk about it in a positive sense and try to get other people excited about it. Yeah, imagine how much wrestling there's going to be when this pandemic does eventually end and all these yeah. companies come back. Um, it was This was an interesting time. It's hard for people to probably remember. This was at the beginning. April yep. 4th and April 5th, This that episode of SmackDown that you just talked about, that would have been the March 14th. So this was yeah. like... This was like three, four weeks later, um, after after the world basically shut down. This was brand new, um, so there was a lot of there was a lot of questions like you brought up. There were both people talking about health and safety. There were people talking about finances, because the reality is, if WWE could have run an arena with full capacity a month later, or two months later, or six months later. It would have been a much better financial su- uh, success. It would have earned, you know, millions of ticket dollars, ticket revenue. It turned out to be the right decision, 
because they ne they could not have come back one or two or even six months later. Yeah. Um, and you know, on the finance, the the health side, the reality is, rest running WrestleMania in that way was no different than the way WWE or AEW were running television tapings at the time. It was no left, no more risky than that. So, yeah. Um, you know, that is what it is. Now, the one thing I will say, you you talked all that about uh, about wrestling fans. So I wanted to I want to read the Wrestling Observer reader poll numbers because I think that's an interesting metric of how people were looking at it. Now, these people that got the Observer, those are your diehards, right? So yeah. um, day one, roughly 600 voters gave a thumbs up, 57% gave a thumbs up to the show. Now 20% now 20 gave it a thumbs in the middle. So that's about 77% of the, of the diehards saying the show was at least good. Now, right. are you sure it was thumbs in the middle that, that they were uh, irrelevant, or they just be like, "Oh my God, the bar, that's awesome." So, no, I'll consider those thumbs up as well because they, yeah, it's <laughs> got the go. bar. Yeah, there you go. Now, now day two, they weren't as kind to. They only, only twenty six gave thumbs up and twenty seven gave thumbs in the middle. So, about half the fans liked day two. Um, so, that's not bad because really WWE, you have to kind of give them a curve with that with that group of readers because they. Are traditionally a little bit lower rated than, say, the Japan shows or things like that, mm -hmm. or the AEW shows. So you give a little bit of a curve to WWE in that regard, and so it's a pretty good WWE show when you look back at it. Yeah, as day one, I, I'll, I, I would say that day one probably better between the two. Plus, you know, like I said, you're going to ask people um, after each day, you know, okay, so uh, which show was better? And now we had night one. You had the bone yard match that's fresh in your head, and you're just like, "Oh my god, this was awesome!" And then at day two, you know, you have the the four minute and whatever second championship match that really wasn't much of anything. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I, I I can see how that could be. And then with the Firefly Funhouse, you know, like what the you know what the bleep was that? So I'm sure you know the more and more people watch the Firefly you no know, after the fact, you know, it probably it, it was better, you know. But yeah, so the commentary teams. We had Byron Saxton and Tom Phillips on the raw side. No big change there. Yeah. Uh, Michael Cole and JBL. Yeah. So there's a change. You know, JBL was supposed to go into the Hall of Fame. I guess they consider him a Hall of Famer, um, even though they never had the cer ceremony. But um, Corey Graves, not there. No, Corey, Corey was one. Like I said, I'd say about 95%, uh, 90 to 95%. I don't know the exact number. It seemed like 90 to 95%. Uh, Showed up. Corey wasn't one of them. That's funny. And that's not a knock on it. It's not a knock on Roman. It's not a, nope. it, that's if, if that you're health, whatever, I get it. It's fine. Yeah, you know, if Corey didn't want to do it, then that's, that's fine. Absolutely. So when I looked at the, you know, when I, when I fired this up and started watching for the first time, I, a couple of things that really stood out to me, um, the PC was so polished, so clean, so quiet, maybe too pretty for a wrestling show. It was really really weird in that way um and then in this era this when the pandemic first started those referees were stars you heard so much of the referee like chatter you know of the counting and the stuff uh, yep. back in here it was i mean far more than you do today um so in that era you know they were much more free with like this is referee jessica carr uh today it was like today they say the referee you know but yeah they, they use names at that point because they were they were actually stars. They were yeah. There was three art. people on screen at all times, and you know they were one of them. So yeah, yeah. Okay, so night one begins with Stephanie McMahon 
she, you know, she tells us it's a closed set, uh, and she does say, "Welcome to WrestleMania." in that Stephanie McMahon way. Um, and then we're treated to that montage of, of America the Beautiful uh, performances from years gone by, like Aretha Franklin, Willie Nelson, Little Richard, Gladys Knight, Michelle Williams, John Legend, Ray Charles, the Harlem uh, Boys Choir, and yep. a, a ton more of the more recent uh, folks. Um, and then, there, then you go to that video package, the video package with all the pirates and all that stuff. Um, and that ends with Captain Jack Sparrow-esque voice saying, tonight, adventure awaits. History waits for no one. The time to shape their history begins right now. Welcome to the grandest stage of all. Welcome to WrestleMania. Yeah, I just got goosebumps right? just, just hearing you say that. Cause, you know, the, you know the, the, the part that was lost on my hand that, and, you know, far be from me, you know, I never watched the, Car the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Like, I wouldn't have known that's what it was. Uh, unless somebody told me. <laughs> I don't know if that was Johnny Depp, but it sure did sound like him. Might have been. Uh, it, it may have been, but it almost, it seems kind of weird that they wouldn't have put him on camera in any way, but I guess if it's just a voiceover, then, you know, maybe they wouldn't, but it was. Well, it was it, quarantining. It, Come on. What's that? He was quarantining. Everybody yeah, was quarantining. Absolutely. Everybody was. <laughs> Nobody he was. across the country in Iowa, probably. His thing. He probably did that. If it was him, he was probably doing that voiceover with the, in his jacuzzi. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and so from there, we get our first glimpse of the performance center. No pyro. No pyro at all. Just some pretty lights. And Rob, Rob Gronkowski, who's, who knows how to start a party on Saturday and not finish it until 30 hours later on Sunday. That's, it. Um, that's our Gronk. That's the Gronk. I actually, I have. Here we go. I actually have down here. I got my, my Rob Gronkowski action figure. About the... Uh, Back when he was a good guy. <laughs> the show kicks off with the Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss versus the Kabuki Warriors. It's for the Women's Tag Team Championships. It is one of the tag. It was one of the uh, title changes on the show, and it went 15 minutes. Um, some interesting points in the match that I that I picked out. You had two pins that got broke up that I really liked. You had Kyrie Sane breaking up a pin with the insane elbow. Yep. And you had Alexa Bliss breaking up a submission with Twisted yeah. Bliss. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. You say, like, re-watching this, this was the second time uh, I watched it. I didn't watch it. Uh, I haven't watched it since it aired live. This went long. If you were to tell me this went 25 minutes, I would have believed it. You know, I'm actually a little shocked that it was, uh, it was clocked in under 20. But uh, that was an absolutely incredible match. And, again, uh, I've been saying this – since this whole thing, when, when Tyler and I first went on air, and I believe Asuka got the uh, the Carl with a K award, you know, she was the, the you know, the, the 2020, the, 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 the no attendance MVP. Her and Montez yeah. Ford, easily. You yeah. know, like Asuka, she shined right from the get-go. She didn't need any time to adapt to no crowd. She was just like, oh, I get the people. Okay, and then she started doing the dancing and everything, you know. So, and Kyrie joined in on that too. It wore off on Kyrie. The two of them uh, were absolutely phenomenal in that match. Um, they, they were beaten up. And from my, my notes I have right now, Cross got her butt kicked, and uh, but she wouldn't stay down. And then it was the, the Twisted Bliss for the end. So, we had, there was new tag team champions for the second year in a row. Uh, their uh, champions are now 0-2 at WrestleMania <laughs> uh, oh. in the women's division. And, uh, yeah, I got that one wrong. So I'm over one right now. My pick was the Kabuki Warriors going into that. I figured, you know what? 
the Asuka gets owed one for putting over Charlotte. I, I kind of have that mentality sometimes when I make my picks. You know what? What's yeah. her record? Okay, so Asuka was 0-1. She was in the Battle Royal the one year. She was held off in a – I think it's time for Asuka to win, get a championship defense or whatever. We didn't get it, and unfortunately, I'm probably going to have that same mentality when I'm making my picks for this year's WrestleMania. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I'm 0-1 right off the bat, uh, but an absolutely phenomenal match. I really enjoy rewatching that again to see the four of them shine uh, brighter than what I originally gave them credit for. Yeah, and um, what I'd like to do with these is I always like to um, give you the star ratings if I find, if I have them from from our Uncle Dave. Uh, he didn't rate these, you know. Oh, he, didn't, he didn't rate God. WrestleMania 36 at all because he felt like there was so much editing and stuff that it was unfair. Now he would he would revise that mentality as things went forward because uh, this was going to be the light the life for the year. You know, there was gonna, this was going to be the situation. So, um, match two. King Corbin versus Elias. Um, the backstory here is King Corbin actually tossed Elias off the Performance Center perch eight days yep. prior. So Corbin comes out to the ring and he thinks he's going to just be awarded the win. But Elias comes out. Elias hits Corbin with a guitar before the match even starts. Um, and eventually Corbin attempted a pin with his feet on the ropes. Jessica Carr saw it. Elias rolled up Corbin, hooked the tights for the win. Eight minutes, 30 seconds. Um, not one of the best matches on the show, but it was there. No, opinion. it was there. And this is where this is where I liked that it was two nights and that each card it was eight matches plus a pre-show and then night two there was the post-show. But um you would have never have gotten this match if it yeah. wasn't uh two nights. And right. I, I, th I that's another reason why I think this is great, because we're seeing this is more of like a you know, the WrestleMania five mentality where you know, WrestleMania 5 was probably about 13, 14 matches long, but they were, you know, they got everybody involved. They were all one-on-ones. They didn't have triple threats or multi-ladder matches back then, you know. But you got your, you know, Ronnie Garvin's versus Greg the Hammer Valentine's. And yeah. they only got five minutes or whatever long, but it's fine. They can say they were on the show. And you know what? The more important thing was Baron Corbin owed us a loss after what he did to Kurt Angle the year before. So that was my mentality with that yes. match. Baron Corbin owed us one for that. So we got uh, we got what we wanted when uh, Elias got the win on that. So uh, I'll take the points on that one. Not only did Corbin give us that loss, but he would go on to give us a lot of losses in 2020. His record was abysmal for the year. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, the next match, match three. Perhaps one of the more anticipated matches of, of WrestleMania was Shayna Baszler versus Becky Lynch for the Raw Championship. Um, there was a lot of hype for this. Um, Shayna drew number 30 in the Royal Rumble, but she didn't win. She appeared on Raw, and she bit Becky Lynch like a vampire. Yeah. And then she went on to the Elimination Chamber, and she ran through them like a knife through warm butter. She destroyed every single person in the Elimination Chamber, including Asuka. Um Becky started arriving to venues in a in a tractor trailer, um, which is how she made her way to WrestleMania. Yep. And a lot of people thought that Becky would drop drop the belt here to Shayna, um, but she did not. She retained, uh, and she actually never lost that championship. She had she gave it up when she uh, wanted to take her leave and for pregnancy. And then so Lynch reversed her Kirafuda clutch for a pin to get the win. Eight minutes and thirty seconds. Same. Same length as the previous match. Um, 
Yeah, there you go. Becky Lynch wins. Yes, yeah, it was. Uh, the, she got the roll through. Uh, I had you know uh, Bret Hart, uh, Steve Austin. Uh, the Bret Hart uh, was the first time I ever saw that at the Survivor Series. Uh, what was that ninety six? Uh, yeah. If I remember correctly, but yeah, I I had Shayna. I figured you know Becky had it for the year. Uh, it was a great title run. She won it at WrestleMania thirty five. Um, this whole thing, you know, Shayna was supposed to win the Rumble, and then she didn't, but she she threw out eight, and she finished second, so it wasn't like it was a bad performance in the Rumble, so I guess they decided to go the Charlotte route uh, for whatever reason, you know, that's I guess that's the go-to route, um, but oh, where was I going to go with this? They, uh, oh, and then the Elimination Chamber, yeah, for, she made history, the first, she had five eliminations in an Elimination Chamber, never been done before, the, the biting thing, though, that's... That bothered me. You know, it takes it takes something to make me get like bothered about like why would you and question why you do something. And that was one of the things. That's not Shayna. Shayna's not. She's she's an ass kicker. You know, for lack yeah. of a better term, she'll she if you want to bend her arm and, and snap it, sure, or wrap her leg. You know, she does all that stuff. Biting. I, I don't think that was a very good move. It was weird. To bring her in with this because that's not her style, you know. If you want to bring in like Sue yeah. Young and do that, yeah, perfect, you know. Like, yeah. but that's it was really, I I didn't like it, you know. And that's that's for me to say that about something, it, it that's something. So it's uh, but yeah, I, I guess they uh, Becky ran the year and it never lost it. She had over three sixty five. Not many people can say they've done that in history. She didn't last too long on the SmackDown side. I think she won that belt too at thirty five. That one didn't last too long, but uh, she got the raw title all the way through. And then, like I said, the, the argument here is I picked Shayna Baszler. Uh, was this a handicap match? Was was Becky pregnant during this match? Or oh. I, I feel like that Becky should have been disqualified. <laughs> no, she wasn't pregnant during this match. They wouldn't have let her wrestle if she was. Get off me. Don't at me. <laughs> uh, Daniel Bryan versus Sami Zayn for the Intercontinental Championship. Uh it was the fourth match. Cesaro and Nakamura, this is back when they were with Sami Zayn. And uh, Sami Zayn would actually get a win here. And uh, it was, as you mentioned, people showed up for Mania, and then they and then they took their part. So we didn't see much of Sami after this until he returned uh, yep. late summer. But uh, the match, the ending to the match was Cesaro and Nakamura were taking advantage of Drew Gulak on the outside. Brian went out. He went to climb the ropes to um, do some sort of aerial offense as his re-entry into the ring. But Sammy caught him with a haluva kick. He got the pin in 9 minutes, 16 seconds. A fairly clean victory for Sammy Zayn over Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. Uh, and like I said, we didn't see a lot of Sammy after that. No, we didn't see Daniel Bryan either. And I think uh, we kind of didn't know. I, I picked Sammy in this. I, I, I want to say that. The reason why I picked Sammy, I don't remember exactly, but the, the Sammy, this was where this was the first match he's been touched, because uh, that was yeah. the whole thing. He had Cesaro and Nakamura, and you could never get to Sammy. He always ran, and even when he won the uh, the Intercontinental Championship at the Elimination Chamber, Strowman never touched him. You know, Sammy right. never got punched or slapped or whatever. He snuck in and he got the pinfall. It was a three on one handicap match. So uh, Cesaro and Nakamura did all the dirty work for him, but I, it was just one of those things. Like this is too good to not keep going. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So I, I pick Sammy. Uh, the Intercontinental Championship uh, doesn't get defended too often 
at WrestleMania. So Sami so, uh, Sami Zayn joined a very short list um, as uh, people who've uh, successfully defended that title at this event. Um, and you know, hindsight tw being twenty twenty now, it was actually the right decision. If you knew both of them were leaving, okay, well, what do we do? Let's just keep it on Sami because then when we bring him back, oh yeah. He could be just the most obnoxious person in the entire world. And that's the Sami Zayn we know and love today. Yes. So yes. Um, I think that was it was well done. Uh, like I said, they, they both took their personal time afterwards. For whatever reason, I do believe Brie was pregnant with their second child at this point in time. So Daniel went home. Uh, that was the right thing to do. Sami, I still don't know why he left. I'm sure he had his reasons. I'm not going to question him. Um, but uh, they, again, they did it for us. Thank you, Sami Zayn. Thank you, Daniel Bryan. You did the Intercontinental Championship proud. Thank you. Yes. Well said. The next match is one of these ones where there was a big change. Um, John Morrison versus yeah. Kofi Kingston versus Jimmy Uso for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Um, notice there was not tag teams there. This was a singles match for the tag titles, and they did this a couple of times around this, around this era, but this was the first one. Um, I did not love it at the time. I was like really down on it. I'm like, why are the tag titles being defended in a singles match? I didn't like it. Um, when I went back and watched this match though, if you can kind of, if you can kind of get past that point and just look at the match for what it is, this was a good match. Um, we didn't have an explanation during the show of why it was a singles match for the tag titles, but in storyline, the Miz got injured. In fact, he was ill. Um, but just that was just one of the talent changes on the card. So Kofi would go for a springboard drop kick. He went through the uprights on the ladder to do that. He got caught and thrown thrown out of the ring by by John Morrison and Jimmy Uso. Um, and John Morrison, another highlight of the match, he set up a ladder in the corner and he hit Starship Pain on Jimmy Uso in that ladder. Jimmy's ladder got pushed over during the match, and he fell all the way to the floor. Um, creative camera angles, I think they probably had a crash mat there, which is why not, you know, mm -hmm. in the situation that they were in. Yep. Um, and it had a very weird finish, though, because all three men climbed to the top. The, the tag titles were attached to this, like, apparatus. So all three unhook the apparatus, and they're all holding the tag team titles. Well, John Morrison falls but he unfastens the belt as he falls and he's got the two belts. They call for the belt. Morrison is the winner because he retrieved the belts. They had the apparatus, but he had the belts. Very good match. That Yeah, that was awesome. Um, if memory serves me correct, I, I know you said Miz was ill. I think Miz got into the arena not knowing he was ill. Yeah, I think so. I think that was the case, and that set up the whole thing. And I think that's kind of what set off Roman to go home. Yeah. I think that, that was a chain uh, reaction right there. But the one thing yeah, so that's what happened with Miz, as far as I know. That, you, know you can SpongeBob that as our rumors get started. Um, a little upset that he wasn't in the match. Now, the, the Miz has is, is been on the brink of WrestleMania history for the longest time right now. And the, the history of championship title defenses, Triple H has four all time. He, he defended at. 14, 16, 19, and then again at 25. Nobody else has more than two, and Miz is one of the people at two. So I'm sitting, I'm like, oh, my God, Miz will get his third. It'll separate himself from the pack, and he gets he gets kicked out of the match. 
And then they, Morrison ends up winning. So I'm just like, oh, my God, he would have had it again. He would have had it. So he's constantly on the cusp. Absolutely amazing match. John Morrison signed. And uh, I guess the rumors going into this match, too, is that Kofi wasn't even supposed to be in it. I remember all the things like, well, Miz is out. So now it's just going to be a one-on-one with one of the Usos and John Morrison. They didn't even mention which Uso. And I thought that was really what, what the hell happened. Like, there was nothing on the New Day or Kofi or E or whoever. Um, I thought that was really weird, too. But I'm glad they got Kofi in it. Yeah. Rod Morrison defended it. You know, I think uh, a lot of people were very upset with how they were treating John Morrison because he had just got back with WWE and he was one of the guys that was fed to Brock Lesnar in the Royal Rumble. Uh, yeah. And Morrison, did, he lasted less than 30 seconds. So um, I'm glad that Morrison got the win and that, you know, helped to, you know, keep the people happy with him. Uh, unfortunately, like I said, this was, you know, they did this one other time because they did the other members on the following SmackDown. So it was Jey Uso, The Miz, and Big E. Um, like I said, this was taped two weeks before it actually aired. So the two-week quarantine that Miz had to go through made him eligible yeah. uh, for the SmackDown match. And then Big E won uh, that match, and the New Day became the tag champions. But, but you know, that's irrelevant. No one's going to remember that. Only thing that's going to remember is John Morrison falling with both straps, boom, yes. and uh, bringing it home. Hey, hey. I have a note in here. It's interesting. You were like you, – you made that comment. You wish Miz was in the match. My note here says – if Miz was in the match, I don't think it would have been as good. I literally, I literally have that note. Because the three that they had in there, it was their style match. It really isn't a yeah. Miz style match. He he probably would have done some creative things to make it good. But um, but it, that match really suited those people. And it really put a spotlight on John Morrison that he really hasn't had before or since. Yep. WWE. Yeah, yeah the latter match is not Miz's forte. He's not a formal you know Money in the yeah. Bank winner or anything, you know? It's <laughs> still not his forte. <laughs> he's not good at it. Well, he doesn't do the high flying stuff like the. Yeah, no, he's, he's a grounded wrestler. I'll give you that. Yeah. Match six and seven. Uh, this is Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins. I credit Kevin Owens with two wins here. Do you agree? No. Okay. <laughs> I do because this was a bell rings and a bell another bell rings. They announced him the winner and they and then they set up a no DQ match, different stipulations. I feel like this is different than a match getting restarted. I thought they said the match was restarted. They did not. I, I, I assume the match was restarted. I don't know. That's it's it happens on all the time. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it does happen a lot. But I consider this too. So um anyway, what hey, happened in, what happened in the, the first half or the first match was after 916 they rolled to the outside rollins hit uh owens with a ring bell and that caused a dq unsatisfied with the disqualification victory kevin calls seth back calls him a little bitch calls him back to the ring and asks for a no dq match that match happens and the highlight is that kevin owens climbs to the top of the wrestlemania sign which is Got to be the highest point in the performance center. Yeah. And he jumps off it onto Rollins through a table. Back in the ring, he hits a stunner, gets the win uh, in another nine minute match. So I have it. Rollins was six and one coming in. Now he's six and three. I guess you have the six and two. No, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do Rollins dirty like that. Um, but they, uh, yeah. So I, I really enjoyed that. I felt like uh, I picked Kevin Owens. I think a majority of everybody picked Kevin Owens for two reasons. Uh, one is it's the constant reminder that Rollins at that point was untouchable. 
mm-hmm. at WrestleMania, and then the fact that Owens has done nothing but fail. So if you keep on beating those two horses uh, in the head, uh, you're, you're bound to get the opposite. So, um, but Seth Rollins again, he was he was looking to to join an exclusive club himself. He was on a four match winning streak um, at WrestleMania. Uh, three men have had more than four in history. Of course, the Undertaker at 21. No one's going to touch that. Oh, Edge yeah. and Daniel Bryan each had five match win streaks. So um, they're the only two other than the Undertaker to win more than four in a row. Um, you're yeah. looking at it like you're questioning me. Don't even, don't no, I was, I was thinking about Hogan. Like, what happened to Hogan? But he lost at four. He, he lost, lost at four. Yeah, he, yeah. Well, yeah, he, no contest. That doesn't count. But they, uh, yeah. So Rollins again, he was on the brink of history. So uh, doing that, it, it's it's a lot of people have tried. The only I think the, the one person you can uh, is that four right now who's still active in the world is Rob Van Dam. And I don't think he's coming back to Mania anytime soon. But um, well, yeah, Rollins is saying that. So all the all the things adding up and keep on knocking Kevin Owens. He's not going to have his moment. Uh, so you, you kind of saw this coming. Um, and unfortunately, I think Owens hurt his ankle on that as well. So Owen actually had to take some uh, KO, had to take some time off um, after that, that stunt. But uh, yeah, so I got Kevin Owens. That's three matches in a row for me, picked correctly with Sammy, John Morrison, and uh, Kevin Owens. I was feeling pretty good at this point in time until you know the wheels fell off. But yeah, I'm doing all right right now. Now the interesting thing about this is this match had probably the most committed build. Now there's some other matches yes. that have really good builds. This particular match was the main event of Monday Night Raw, basically from January 1st through WrestleMania. It was always Rollins and AOP versus Owens and Big Show, Owens and Samoa Joe, Owens and the Street Profits, Owens and the Viking Raiders. It was some combination of of people that built to this match. So they spent a lot of time building to this match. And it was, you know, match six of a seven-match card, um, eight if you consider the Boneyard, on night one. So it was kind. Of, it's just kind of interesting. Like you, when you look at the talent that was involved, a lot of part-time talent in the the main main events of Mania. So a match like this gets all the main event spots on Raw. So yeah, th- this was a top build match. I, I, I this was probably top five build. But you had the two uh, the two titles. Uh, yeah, you know Taker and AJ, and you had you know Randy and Edge was up there too. But this this was yes. this was the, the upper tier. Um, and then the two great stars, you know, Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins, that was a great pairing. They've, they've been friends. They've known each other for years now since their days at Ring of Honor. That was a great pairing. They deserved to have this match together at WrestleMania. It did not disappoint. Um, perfect. Okay. So R-Truth introduces himself to Gronk, ends up losing the 24-7 championship to Mojo Rawley. Um, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Match eight, Braun Strowman versus Bill Goldberg for the Universal Championship. Now, I'm going to read something here um, from Uncle Dave on this subject. So roll your eyes. I will look at what yeah, yeah, You know, hey, I don't like – he's entitled to his opinion too, but I just yeah. – he's he's just a fan just like me and you. So I don't know why he gets to, to have the, the, the overall end-all end saying, you know, but whatever. That's just me. So he says, even though Roman Reigns left for health concerns on March 26, over the next week he was still advertised for the title shot against Goldberg on the ensuing SmackDown and Raw show. When Triple H was asked about this, he talked about the creative way they were going to tell the story. As it turned out, that never existed. It was the weirdest thing. On SmackDown show the night before the match, they were running down the card and mentioned Goldberg versus Strowman in passing. Reigns was never mentioned again on television or either night of the pay-per-view, even if 
if he was all over the video packages and the advertising mainstream for the show. So I will say I had a big gripe with this too, that they really did a bad job of announce, uh, you know, they were selling this pay-per-view hard. Yep. Asking people to put out $50 a night for this on the different apps and pay traditional pay-per-view. And they were advertising Roman Reigns, even though they knew that he wasn't going to be there. So I did have a gripe with that in fairness. Um, I'm fine with the Braun Strowman substitution. And I think they did the right thing in this match. Um, having said that, I don't really have anything more to say about it. Okay. I, I got two points on this. Uh, <laughs> one, I, I picked Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> now hear me out on this one. So like I said, yeah, it was, it was originally supposed to be Roman. I think everybody uh, and their mother would have, would have picked Roman Reigns. Sure. That was the thing. So my thinking was, okay, well, we're getting a swerve here. How much time is Roman going to seriously take off? So I'm like, okay, so maybe just to get people back. If people aren't happy right now, and to get people back, save this for SummerSlam. Yeah. You know, you don't need to put Goldberg on TV. You know, we, we've lived our lives without titles, you know, on TV in the Brock Lesnar era. You know, it's it's fine. Whatever. We're used to it. Uh, but you could have done that. That's, that's kind of where my head was at. So that's why I picked Goldberg, just so when Roman comes back at SummerSlam, if he comes back at SummerSlam, and I was right, he did come back at SummerSlam, um, they would have that match there, and then Roman beats him to get the title, which is what Roman did anyway, but he beat The Fiend the following week. Yeah. Uh, or the following pay-per-view. Because they had back-to-back. -back, I think payback was the following week. That was random, too, the back-to-back -back weekends of WWE pay-per-views. Um, and the second thing was, did you, uh, did you watch the – the Chronicle or the Day of or whatever with WrestleMania 36. For Strowman? Strowman drove all the way home from Florida. I think he lives in one of the, uh, the Dakotas. He drove all the way across the country, south and north. And when he got home, they called him, we got to send the jet for you. We need you back. You got to fight Goldberg. Roman's out. It's so funny because. That's um, crazy. You know, you hear that story. And then if you watch the same type of chronicle um, with Drew McIntyre, it was the same similar thing. He was over in uh, in Scotland yep. shooting that awesome commercial that they did. And he got the phone call at like 2 in the morning, like, you got to come. Come. The borders are going to yep. be shut down. I will say the day after WrestleMania, I think the Monday after, Vince McMahon was one of a few people that actually met with the president to talk about the um, – you know, the situation in, in the country and what they were going to do with live sports and things like that. So, so it's possible that, that Vince had maybe a little bit more heads up than the rest of us about what was happening. Yeah. And he got the people lined up to do the show. So, yeah, I just think that just raises the question though. Like, okay, so you have, you're already building this, you know, too big for one night. You have 16 matches and you couldn't find a spot for Strowman on this. That blows my mind out of this situation. Like, all right, I, if you give me 16 slots with the current WWE roster, I'd find a spot for Strowman. Well, you know, they may have they may have been planning him to win the Andre Battle Royal. They may have been planning things like that. They, they probably had a spot in mind, and then they were hedging their bets and said, okay, let's hold him in reserve. Yeah. We lose one of our big matches, which is what happened. Yep. So they may it may have been like a plan to protect the plan type of thing. Yeah. But We've spent a lot of time talking about what was a two-minute match. Two minutes, yeah. 11 seconds. Uh, yeah, and by the, by the way, the, the final score, uh, Strowman four, Goldberg three. Yes. Uh, four power slams is better than three spears, if those of you scoring at home. Goldberg hit three spears. Strowman kicked out. Goldberg hit a fourth spear. 
and went for a jackhammer. Strowman evaded. He hit the four power slams, uh, or three, four power slams. Braun got the pin 211. Okay. Is that what you said too? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, and Braun did Braun did the title okay. You know, he he yeah. was he had a he had a, he had a good feud with Bray Wyatt after this. So you know, I'm not I'm not upset that Braun Strowman won the Universal Title. Here. I don't think anybody was. You know, no, like, Braun did us a favor. Braun yeah. went out of his way, drove the entire length of the country south and north just to be called back. You know, yeah. so thank you, Braun Strowman. Then we get a WrestleMania goes Hollywood promo right after that. Yeah, that's well, that didn't age well. <laughs> yeah. Um, eventually, we'll the two years, right? We'll get it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Then we have uh, the Boneyard match. A lot of people are considered this to be the best thing on either night. Um, we'll talk through it here. It was not the first cinematic match produced or even distributed, but it's the one that we all remember. Chapel Gargano actually came first. Um, the match opens with Undertaker's music playing and a hearse arrives with a casket. Druids open the casket to reveal AJ Styles. Taker would arrive moments later on a motor motorcycle. Moments into the fight, Taker would legitimately cut his arm. Yeah. <laughs> the Good Brothers got involved. Gallows got tossed off a roof. Anderson got Tombstone on a roof. And AJ Styles got slammed off a roof. Yep. Undertaker climbed down, and he approached AJ Styles, and he was saying, and he and he said this. Still want to talk? Hey, what's my wife's name? You remember her now? You remember? <laughs> okay. Why don't you tell me how old I am? Is this going to hurt my legacy? Stay with me, boy. Stay with me. We're just getting started. <laughs> so <laughs> those were great lines. I mean, the uh, the... Some of the talking on on both these cinematic matches were it was amazing. So we're actually pretty close to done here, though. Taker carried AJ toward the grave. He continued, "You're a lot tougher than I gave you credit for." Dials was begging Taker for mercy, and Taker told him to go out like a man. In a moment <laughs> of mercy, Taker gives him a hug, turns to walk away, pauses, turns back, kicks AJ into the grave. The camera zooms in on Taker's face. We can read the malice in his eyes. He drops the soil on AJ, whose hand just sticks out of the grave, and the familiar Undertaker gong tolls. Undertaker's dead man theme plays. He reveals the writing on the grave. AJ Styles, rest in peace, 1977-2020. Taker would put his do-rag on, mount his motorcycle, rev the engine, throw up his arm, Magically lights the symbol on the barn. He rides off. In the background, we hear the music he rode in on. The lyric from the music that remains in my ear today is, we can live forever. It, it's a great match. I mean, it's start to finish, it's, it's cinematic. I mean, it's not a match, it, but it was a really fun and entertaining piece. Entertaining is the word. It's exactly it. And this this is it. As we know it right now, because he'd be tired of the Survivor Series, and I, I think this was, a, I would say, a poetic way for him to go out because you know it's, it's the same with Mick Foley. Mick Foley got to go out as Mick Foley, so I think this was more. This wasn't the Dead Man. Right. This wasn't the Biker Taker, even though he wrote it. But this was this was a more Callaway feud that AJ Styles he humanized the Undertaker. He mentioned his wife. He you know he did this. He humanized the Undertaker, which is fine. You know, for one match, he got to be Mark Calloway. And I think that was a very poetic end uh, way to end it. And I do believe 
uh, the, the 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 arm in the air on the bike with the cross. That was the uh, the Carl of the K Award winner for moment of the year for uh, for Monday Night Raw. So that was that was that was great. And that's that, if that's the the last time we see Undertaker uh, before he's in a tuxedo accepting his ring, then then so be it. You know, I'm I'm completely satisfied with that. So um, is this going to hurt my legacy? What a line. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It enhances his legacy, I think. It is the, it is the ending that we needed. Um, and here's a piece of trivia for you. Oh. Two of the Druids. One was wow. Matt Martell. One was Chase Parker. Really? Memorized rules as a Druid. Memorized rules. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, this was, this was probably the best thing received on both nights of the show. Yep. Great stuff. It's how we close it. And let's pause for a moment. I want to ask you. Sure. Because there's even today, even today, there's talks of Undertaker being involved with some of the WrestleMania planning. Now, I don't want to match. I don't even want a cinematic match. But there are things that even in his retired state that I think would be kind of cool. You know how we had that Jack Sparrow type opening? Okay. It would be kind of cool if you have like this cinematic feature, two-minute thing that sweeps into a graveyard and you've got Taker digging a hole and he he says, Welcome to WrestleMania. Something like that, I think, would be a really fitting way to use him. If you Perfect. Want. Because that, that is it's synonymous. It's right. it's it's Undertaker, it's WrestleMania. And there's certain things in Wrestle, whatever they, they just go together and the Undertaker and the streak and everything that he's ever done. Yeah, that would I would for years now, just just Undertaker introduces us to WrestleMania. That would be that would be very perfect. I, I would really enjoy that. Yep, yeah. So so I think there are ways to get him involved that doesn't have to piss off everybody. So let's, yeah. let's think yep. about that. All right. I wouldn't mind seeing him drop John Cena again in thirty seconds. That was fun. <laughs> that was the played the hits that year. Yeah. All right. So night. So day two. We are. This is going to be a long episode. Probably the longest we'll ever have. Yeah, we'll take it. That's it. That's well, it, it, This episode is too big for just one hour, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to keep rolling on. Here we go. Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley kicks off the show on night two. Stephanie McMahon, by the way, she did welcome us back for another night. Yep. Um, it is for the NXT Championship. Charlotte Flair won the Royal Rumble, and Rhea Ripley insisted that she could, she be the one who Charlotte challenged. Everything about Rhea Ripley's presentation, I thought, was so on point. Her music, her attire, her personality, the video packages, the push, the storyline. Huge star. She lost. I got um, wrong. Yeah. That's she hit the riptide early in the match. Charlotte kicked out. Charlotte worked over Ripley's legs and got the win using the figure eight. In 20 minutes, 27 seconds, one of the longer matches on both nights. Um, but yeah, Charlotte got the win here. She would go on to have an NXT title reign. Um, Rhea never, Rhea never got it back. No, she still hasn't gotten it back. Now it's uh, it's funny because Rhea went home after this. I think they, I think they knew that. I think Rhea went back to New Zealand or Australia. She's from that area. I can't remember which country exactly. I think she went home after this. Um, but the, the build they had for her, um, you know, her in the stadium, the empty stadium, and you're just going through all the things and taking it all in, and just you, you had it like, oh my god, this this I had me believing. I said I got that one wrong. I had Rhea, one of the many wrong I had on this night. Um, 
I, I was, I think we were all shocked. And then of course, oh my God, Charlotte's fourth down on third. And you know what? I think Rhea went home. This was, this was a nice way. So Charlotte got to appear on Raw with the NXT Women's Championship. But then she actually had, she had a couple of good matches. She fought, I think, Mia Yim um, in her first match on NXT. And I think she had one other match before she lost the uh, the triple threat when Rhea came back, when Io Shirai took over. So, um, is it Charlotte, she doesn't get a lot of credit for being a good, I, I, I get she's, you know, she shoved down her throat and everything's always Charlotte. And, you know, it's, and I, I get it. But she is that good, though. Like, that's the, that's the, the funny thing. Like, when she has to go, she can go. So I think it's um, – I'm not upset by all that she won, especially, you know, said hindsight 2020. Looking back at it now, you know, Rhea had to go home. They needed something to transition to get to Io Shirai. So um, that was a nice bridge. And a funny fact, going back to trivia from earlier, it was actually in my notes. I can't even show you right now. The answer that I got wrong – Gronk knows about dropping the hammer on Sunday. That's awesome. That's right there on your notes. <laughs> Thank you for not cheating. Yeah. <laughs> All right, match two. Alistair Black versus Bobby Lashley. Now, this is the Lana days of Bobby Lashley. Um, Alistair Black had some really <laughs> sick shoulder pads for this match, though, when he came out. They're like these horns sticking up and stuff. Um but Lashley was accompanied to the ring by Lana, and he had the match, lock, stock, and Baylor. Barrel, Baylor was not on the show. Baylor was not on the show. <laughs> but Lash, Lashley had the match won, but Lana requested a spear, and for the life of me, I can't figure out why. I don't think she watched night one. Goldberg, it didn't work for him. Why would she ask Lashley to do it? <laughs> yeah, well, maybe maybe she's got a thing for the spear. Maybe that's like one of her well, little, uh, you know, things. Know. I'm gonna try to keep this clean. But um, yeah, when I first when they first booked this match, I, I popped for. I'm like, oh my god, that's awesome! I love this is this is awesome. I was this was absolutely. I loved this pairing again. And I guess that going back to what we said about uh, Baron Corbin and Elias, we wouldn't have gotten this. Um, if it wasn't for a 16 match card here, so I'm at, you know, it, it got its time. Was it five star? No, I'll even agree with Uncle David on that one. But yeah, but the, the whole thing was to set up uh, the, the the divorce that everyone's been was clamoring for, which is you know fine. It didn't it didn't work. I'll agree to that too. Uh, it got Alistair Black a win at WrestleMania in a singles match over a very very good competitor. Um, I thought I thought everything was great. I, I would have liked maybe another you know a few minutes, a, lot, a little better action. Uh, the match kind of failed my expectations for what I in my head it could have been, but um, I was excited it happened. I'm happy Alistair got the win. I'm sad it led to the divorce. Everything is right with the world. Yeah, and Lashley would go on to to be much better off after that yes. divorce. So um, he attempted the spear, got hit with the black mass. Alistair won in seven thirteen. We move on to WrestleMania. Uh, we have backstage interview segments. Bailey says she's confident. Uh, Banks says, let's wait and see. Uh, we waited. Uh, meanwhile, Gronk wanted the 24-7 championship. He wanted to leave it, but leave with it by the end of the night. He would eventually do that, by the way, by diving off the PC perch onto a pile of people, and then he pinned Mojo Raleigh. The memorable thing about that, in hindsight, afterwards, is the fact that we have all these videos of Vince McMahon showing Gronk yeah. how to do it. <laughs> 77-year-old Vince McMahon taking a, a leap of faith onto the crash pad. It's easy, Gronk. Go do yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Okay, match three, Otis versus Dolph Ziggler. So this is another one of those memorable storylines uh, in the early part of 2020. It was the love story of Mandy Rose and Otis, along with Sonya Deville and Dolph Ziggler colluding to ruin Otis and Mandy's Valentine's Day date. Otis and Dolph got a WrestleMania match. Mandy and Sonya got a SummerSlam match. The way this went down in the match, Sonya distracted the referee. Ziggler hit a low blow. Mandy came to ringside, tossed Sonya in the ring. While the referee was dealing with Sonya, Mandy jumped in, gave Dolph a low blow. Otis followed up Caterpillar. One, two, three. He gets the win, and he gets to kiss the girl. Yeah, I got this one completely off. I was way off on this one. I I had I had the swerve here. I had I just had heartbroken Otis. She was working with Ziggler the whole time, and and someone like I had I had this whole thing wrong. I just assumed that not that Otis is a bad amateur, but like you're in the ring with Dolph Ziggler, and this was Dolph's first ever. How many years has he been in the company now? Uh, this is his first ever one-on-one -on -one match at WrestleMania, and I just thought they wouldn't do him dirty like that. So um, I had Ziggler, and I have in my notes, Otis defeated Dolph Ziggler in a travesty, and that's all the notes I have on it. Um, I wanted Ziggler to get this win. I thought he's earned it over his, the, 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 uh, the length of his career and the tenure he's had. Um, and I said, uh, 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 I thought there's the, the exclamation point on the story because uh, Mandy said, you know, she's actually proved us wrong over those you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, Mandy Rose wasn't all you know sunshine and daisy. You know, she was you know kind of a bee. So mm -hmm. I was kind of thinking that this was just a, a swerve all along, and they had like that heart wrenching moment for Otis um, at the end of this, and that just didn't happen. And um, honestly, Ryan, I don't know if you've done any investigative journalism. Are they even still together now? Like, is this like are they still dating? Hard to say. Hard to say. They're on different shows, thanks to The Miz, but are they still? I don't know. I, I'll have to, you know, I'm down here in Florida. Maybe I can swing through the Orlando yeah, area. No see, if yeah. see if any restaurants have any pictures of them together or anything like that. Yeah. Okay. Next match, Randy Orton versus Edge. Um, this was the second longest match in WrestleMania history. 36 minutes, 39 seconds is what I clocked it in and on. It felt like about 27 hours. Yeah, um, this was a long one. I didn't – wow, the second longest I – mean, I know which one's the longest. That's a pretty obvious yeah. trivia question. But, yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah, second longest in history. Um, Dave Meltzer would say, and I think this is a great quote because it does, it does summarize how I feel. Um, by 12 minutes, it sucked. <laughs> by 18, it was Chinese water torture. And it went 36 minutes before Edge finally beat him. <laughs> so he was very rough on this match. And uh, he said the announcers did them no favors, whispering like it was the 13th hole in Augusta, which made things boring. Um, I have a whole litany of the things that happened. They they battled in the PC gym and out and onto the stage, yeah. the performance center. They crashed through storage cages and um, all kinds of things. The match eventually... Um, proceeded into the garage area where Randy gave Edge a draping DDT on the back of a pickup truck. Edge climbed on top of a production truck. Orton followed. Edge hit a spear. Orton hit an RKO. Randy went and got chairs. Eventually, uh, before Orton could hit the concerto, Edge jumped up, put Orton in a chokehold, and then Edge hit the concerto, and that was the finish of the match. It was yeah, a long one, though. 
Yeah, and that was the poetic ending that I didn't see. Again, I said I didn't have a good night, too. I picked Randy Orton because my philosophy was, okay, so this guy's been retired for X amount of years now, right? You know, Nine. over over five – was it more than ten? How long was he out for? Nine, Nine. years? Ten years? Nine years. Nine. And you're going to come in and beat Randy Orton? So that was my philosophy. But then I realized it wasn't a wrestling match. It was a fight. So – I was right, just not at that show. When I was right when uh, Randy won the greatest wrestling match of all time, or forever, whatever the name was, I was right on that. So I, my thinking was right. I just had the wrong. Oh, this is a fight, and then the concerto ending after Randy did it to both Edge, and then I believe he got Beth with it too. So uh, poetic ending, and then whatever. Yeah, was it too long? Probably, but you know they worked. They worked. They worked. They worked their butts off in that match, and I'm not going to take that away from them. So, there's a spot, thank you guys. There's a spot in here that that made me uncomfortable, though. Yeah, I know the Ben Watt. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and the the thing that's particularly bad about the the spot in the gym where Randy was hanging uh, Edge with the, with the equipment is that two days prior to the filming of this, that Chris Benoit documentary aired on on Vice, and then they oh had, wow was it. Well, then they had two weeks, and nobody caught this. Nobody caught that. Um, it it it's just a little uncomfortable. But yeah, I, I guess maybe I didn't I didn't think of that. That's not what I thought of when I was watching this match. You know, Chris, Chris Benoit hardly ever entered my mind. You know, I was a fan, but like I don't. You know, I wasn't Gaga over him like everybody else was. You know, not that he doesn't deserve to be. He was absolutely phenomenal, but. Um, no, I did not think of Chris Benoit. And even after, like I said, I didn't watch the, the documentary, the Viceland thing until after the fact. And I still didn't think of it, you yeah. know, until somebody mentioned it on Facebook because, God forbid, wrestling fans are happy. Um, you know, they decided they wanted to, you know, complain about it, which is, I guess, is a great, I guess, yeah, the timing, timing was wrong. Yeah. Um, about this match, Meltzer says, there's technically been worse matches. But none is boring because the mat worst matches in Mania history were often short or fit into so bad it's perversely entertaining. <laughs> but but he also gave credit. He said, as the poll show, some people actually like the match. So he also does a best match, worst match poll. And some people, about 60 people out of the 500 that voted uh, in the in the Breeders' Poll said that this match was the best match on the card. So. Good. They 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 worked they worked their butts off in that match, and they well, it was good. They they worked for it. That was, and you know what? I, whether it was if you want to blame the the empty crowd, whatever. I I don't know. I I don't know what what the the problem was. Um, I knew this match was long. Actually, I didn't rewatch it for this show. Uh, I kind of wanted to you know get through and uh, but you know I I know what happens, and I know that you know the, the gym things. I but they they worked, man. Thirty six minutes. Those guys just worked their tails off. And yep. you're gonna dog them, so that that's great, Dave. Good job. <laughs> Good for you. Right. It's great for the right. industry. Thanks. We don't have 36 minutes to talk about the match, though. So let's move on to the tag team title match, Raw Tag Team Championships. We got Street Profits versus Anal Garza and Austin Theory with Zelina Vega, who also had some killer shoulder pads for this for this match. She had skulls on them. Yeah. Cool. Um, partway through the match, uh, Garza hit a moonsault from the top rope to the floor. That was one of the highlights. Mm -hmm. um, Montez Ford would hit from the heavens, frog splash. Daw <laughs> Dawkins covered for the win. Garza, Theory, and Vega triple teamed Montez after the match until eventually Bianca Belair ran out and made the save. Belair hit the kiss of death, the KOD, 
on Zelina Vega. Yep. Send us home happy. Yeah, that was perfect. That was great. The street pop, the good guys win. I just to rewind, rewind, but you know, Andrade was supposed to be in this. It was supposed to be Andrade and Angel Garza. Andrade did suffer an injury. It wasn't a COVID thing or a health or whatever. He suffered a, a rib injury, if I remember correctly. And yeah. they uh, they kind of last minute just called up Austin Theory uh, to do it. That was a random call up. That was weird because he had just kind of started up in NXT. Um, so that was, uh, you know, but yeah, but that was his time to shine. I didn't think, you know, nothing wrong with Austin Theory. There was nothing wrong with this match. It was, it's good. It was a decent tag team championship match. I put over the Street Profits. That was, uh, I got that one right. That was one of the few I got right on this day. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. And uh, welcome aboard Bianca Belair. You know, you, you last 30-something minutes in the Royal Rumble, you toss out eight people. Welcome to the main roster. Yep. Um, so since Gronk is being pursued, we find out Titus O'Neil is the new host of WrestleMania that we find out here. Um, that was basically all he said. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, match six, though, this is the Fatal Five way with Bailey and Tamina and Sasha and who are the other ones? I didn't write them down. Well, Lacey was at the end and Naomi, right? Naomi, there you go. Yeah, and so hang on, series wants to get involved. I didn't get. Uh, Banks and Bailey didn't have a smooth going in this match. Team Bad had a thirty-second rerun or a re re reunion. <laughs> Banks. Banks did help Bailey. Uh, Bailey retains. I blocked for that. I, I I thought Team Bad was off. I was a huge Sasha Banks fan when she was in NXT. I was I I popped with the Team Bad. I did it with them. Unity. But they uh yeah so uh Lacey uh hit the women's right on Sasha. Uh Bailey didn't help. No. Nope. Uh Sasha got eliminated and then Bailey ended up doing the, that step finisher thing that she does. Uh, which Sasha helped her with, you know, to, to get lazy to that point. So that was, um, again, I got this one wrong. I thought they were going to do it. I thought this was going to come down to Sasha and Bailey, and that this was the time, and okay. this was the explosion. And, uh, you know, we were only, I think, four and a half years in the making at that point. So we were still, they had a little more traction left. Um, yeah. And it was a good thing they didn't do it then because, to tell you the truth, Bailey and Sasha, yeah. uh, they, they, they worked uh, the, the rest of the way together. Uh, on all three shows um, as tag champions, so that was that was that was great. So I was happy. I'm wrong with that one in hindsight, but um, yeah, Sasha still she's she's on that list right now. She can't get a WrestleMania win if she uh, she needed it. They they stepped up really big after this and basically carried yeah. carried shows until we got to the Thunderdome Theater type of uh, venue. Um, you think you think when you think about it, it's kind of. Their their stuff kind of started. They started to really fall apart as a as a unit when Thunderdome came around. That was about the time. Yeah, it's when Elise Ashton came around. That's when Elise when Elise asked them. They didn't. She did an interview, and all of a sudden she broke him up. So that was that was all, that was all on Elise Ashton. There you go. We gotta blame somebody. So <laughs> match seven is John Cena Bray Wyatt Firefly Funhouse. Now, at the time, I had the same kind of question that Titus had. What did I just see? Um, yeah, that's what it was, yeah. Yeah, let me see, it was, I don't know what I just saw. That was his, that was his quote. Um, and it was weird because we're all expecting like a, a traditional match or something Boneyard-esque similar. Um, this was really different. Yeah. Uh, and so I thought it was garbage when I first watched it. Um, 
it was an advertised match. My, my expectations probably weren't set. Now I went back and watched it for the show and my expectations were different, right? I knew what I was going to go. I knew I was going to watch like this cinematic movie thing. This age is really well, I think. Yeah. I think this was fantastic in hindsight. Um, if you, you can't, if you, if you didn't have in your mind that you're going to see the fiend versus John Cena in the ring and you go back and you're like, okay, I'm going to see some a creative work of art. This was amazing. So let me, let me, let me run through this match because this is some of Bray Wyatt's best work. I think there's another world that exists beyond our realm of comprehension, a world where our darkest urges are no longer kept secret. A world where gods, monsters, angels, and demons are neighbors. Who are who are we really? And why do we do the things we do? Let's take a look at who you really are. You're about to face your most dangerous opponent, yourself. Yeah. Welcome to the Firefly Funhouse. That's how this thing starts. <laughs> Isn't it's like Bray Wyatt in his uh, you know, in the funhouse, and it, he's just got this intensity to him. And um we end up going on and reliving John Cena's career. We yeah. go back to the boss asking John about ruthless aggression. Bray challenges John with the same words Angle used, and you have flashes back and forth between Kurt Angle and Bray making this, this challenge. Cena comes out in that old gear, which is really weird looking. but uh, uh, Yeah. Bray tells Cena that it was his biggest failure. It was Cena's biggest failure. We flash from there to like the Saturday night's main event stuff. And you got Cena and Bray cutting an 80s promo as if they're tagged, they're a tag team. And at the end of that, Bray looks at Cena after Cena's done these curls like this, like going a million miles an hour. He looks at he looks at Cena and he says, What you gonna do when you realize egomania has been running wild on you? He's like, this is like setting up this like perfect story for John Cena. We flash again to Thugonomics where Cena rhymes and we literally hear crickets. Cena says something about putting his junk in a glove and calling it Mr. Sacco. He continues about Bray wasting, wasting his chances. And then more brilliant Bray dialogue. Chances. How dare you talk to me about chances, John Cena? I've had to earn everything I've ever given and been given in life. And still they're taking from me. You. You're the golden goose, John. Your chances, they're unlimited. You're untouchable. But you're not a hero, John. You're a bully. You're a horrible person. You take the weakness of others and you turn them into jokes. You do anything for fame. Congratulations. You're the man now, John. Poor, lonely John Cena. This is your last chance, John. The floor is yours. And he gives John Cena a moment to think, is, he, is Cena going to make some sort of apology or something? No, Cena comes at him. And when he comes at him, they switch to, to Swamp Wyatt. And Swamp Wyatt goes on, he says, I was the color red in a world full of black and white. I had the whole world in my hands. Abigail spoke of this day my entire life. You were supposed to be a man of the people. Hear them now, John. They wanted me. They needed me. This was supposed to be a prophecy fulfilled, but instead it's my grandest failure. I've hurt for so long, I can't remember what it's like to feel. Now it's time to rewrite my story. This incredible dialogue from Ray yeah. 
but that was that was Bray at that point though. That was Alligator Bray or the you know yeah. Firefly whatever Firefly but whatever what's the word I'm looking for. He switches now. Bray is Eric Bischoff introducing Hulk Hogan as if as if the NWO. It's Bray, but it's not Bray introducing Hulk Hogan. It's Bray introducing John Cena, and it kind of shows us that like maybe John Cena should have turned heel like Hogan did, you know, with this whole NWO thing. And the Fiend does eventually come back to greet Cena in the ring, and as the Fiend readies to Sister Abigail. We hear the words of John Cena from this feud come back to haunt John Cena. This WrestleMania match is going to accomplish what should have happened six years ago, ending the existence of the most overhyped, overvalued, overprivileged WWE superstar in existence. The scene ends with The Fiend pinning John Cena with the mandible claw as Bray Wyatt counts Cena's shoulders to the mat. Titus O'Neil says, what we were all thinking... I don't know what I just saw. This was incredible. It was put yeah. together by Bray Wyatt and Bruce Pritchard with input from John Cena. This told an incredible story. I believe this was a legitimate face turn for Bray Wyatt that nobody saw. Yeah. Yeah, this was, I, I I can't go into any more detail than you just did. It's, it was absolutely it was fun. You know, like I said, my my when I said Firefly Funhouse, man, I just thought maybe the ring was going to be decorated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's just, I, I didn't know I was going to get that, and I'm so happy we did this. Was this was absolutely perfect? Bray Wyatt, when it comes to stuff like this, exactly. He's very well spoken, very well written. I don't know how much of the stuff he writes himself, but everything was just. That was perfect. Again, that was one of those things you had to watch again, and you had to watch again, and every time you watch it. You're going to find something new. They're like, "Oh, I didn't see that the first time or the second time." Like, this is this that was awesome. So, yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, I got a text here. Uh, we move on from here. That was like that was a great match. Yeah. Um, Drew McIntyre and Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship. McIntyre hit a claymore in the first 20 seconds. Lesnar kicked out. Brock evaded the second Claymore and hit two German suplexes. Lesnar then hit an F5 that McIntyre kicked out of. After a one count, McIntyre kicked out of a second and third F5. When Lesnar went for fourth, McIntyre slipped out, hit Lesnar with one, two, three Claymores. Gets the pinfall victory, four minutes, 28 seconds. The crowning of Drew McIntyre after all this time. Yeah, that was big. I, I had Lesnar in that match. Again, I just didn't think – maybe I just didn't understand what was going on with the pandemic or whatever. I just had Lesnar thinking that, okay, a SummerSlam look at the same thing. I just – I just I kind of use SummerSlam as the, the 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 thing to get us out of this. You know, like, okay, well, you don't want to get the guy a title right at the beginning. I don't know. I just thought it was – you know, not that I didn't – not that I don't care that Drew McIntyre champion. I mean, I, I like it. It's great, you know, but it's – I don't – I just figure, you know, the live crowd, this and that. So it's – again, I don't know. Well, but, but you know, Drew got this win. It was a good build. He won the Rumble. It was a good story all the way through. He gets this win. He gets crowned. He's the chosen one. Goes on to have a great run as champion. Um, eventually loses to Randy Orton but gets the title back. Um, so I think this was the making of Drew McIntyre, and it, it it's too bad for him it wasn't in front of 80,000 people in Raymond James. But that's been the story yeah. of everybody for that year. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but that's you know, that's what it was. And like I said, they could have, you know, and we haven't seen Brock Lesnar since. So, you know, you knew Brock was going to be going somewhere. So, you know what? 
he put it up one more time. For the good of the company, he knew he had to drop the title. He knew he had to show up. So, yep. Brock Lesnar, thank you. There you go. John Cena, thank you. I didn't thank you properly either because John Cena, we haven't seen him since he got snapped. I don't know. He went Thanos. Bray Wyatt went Thanos on him. Now, I say, now the funny thing about this is we are recording this before the Royal Rumble. So, we don't know. Yeah. You know, if there's some of these things we we know, so uh, maybe may that we have to air this earlier. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. The main question, Al, though, after we've gone through everything blow by blow and sometimes match by match and or move by move and sometimes word for word, does this WrestleMania hold up? Yeah, I watched it the other day and it held up fine. Like this is still the same guys that are on TV now, and it's like, looking back at it, 2020, some of the things or the way they booked them. Uh, they make sense now, like not separating Sasha and Bailey. We're glad they didn't. You know, the Aleister Black went, oh, my God. So they, they separated Lashley and Lana, and that now he's in the Hurt Business. That works. Um, everything makes sense. You know, keeping the belt on Sammy just so he can come back later uh, and claim to be the true champion, even though somebody else has it. I think I think this is absolutely perfect. And they said, when you watch, you know, the, you know, now knowing that this is The Undertaker's last match, now knowing, okay, if you watch the Firefly Funhouse with fresh eyes, with a new perspective, how much better it is. So, yes, this 100% will hold uh, true to the test of time. But the problem is no one's going to go back and watch it because it was in an empty arena. Yeah, no, it's it's difficult to do that. Like, it is difficult to watch start to finish this particular WrestleMania. However, I think this is one of those shows that when chopped up is kind of going to be very good. I think this will be when people do retrospectives on people's careers – these matches from this show will be in there because it was such a unique time. Yep. And we need, we need the benefit of time on this one to really appreciate these matches that we had. Cause some of them are very good. Like we talked about that ladder match was incredible. Some of them are throwaway like Alistair Black and Bobby Lashley. It was there. Mm -hmm. It was fine. These cinematic matches, these were terrific. And I, and I will say nobody is looking back. Nobody remembers that Firefly Funhouse match with that much fondness. But, man, if they go back and watch it for what it is, I was blown away. Absolutely yeah. blown away on my second viewing. I had, I, I mean, I stopped that thing, and I wrote, I went back and re-listened to the words. It was a, it was a work of art. Yeah, it was. Yeah, everything, everything was great. I, like I said, the bottom line was 16 matches. However many wrestlers were on this card, they put us first. Yes. For mm -hmm. these two nights. And that, you know, yeah, it wasn't at a big stadium yet. It wasn't a crowd. These guys, they were there for us in a moment of time where we actually didn't need it, to tell you the truth. That's something, oh, you know, they needed entertainment. We don't need entertainment, you know. Like, we don't, read a book, you know. Like, that's – they wanted to do this for us. The, the show must go on. And that's why to everybody who competed on that card, everybody whose name we mentioned, and then even the ones that we didn't, like Vince McMahon, I'm sure Vince's name popped up at some point in time, but just thank you. Thank you. The show must go on. The show went on. You did it for us. And as a, as a true wrestling fan, as somebody who just was excited all the way up to it and yeah. was looking forward to it, crowd or not, thank you. Well said. Their mission statement is to put smiles on faces. Yeah. That's what they did. It's what Stephanie said at the beginning. You know, she's like, we are here to put smiles on faces. Mostly babyface wins up and down the card. Huge, way more higher percentage than what it typically would be. Yeah. That was the plan. Send us home happy, and they did.
Now, I'm going to throw this up. I showed this to you how I, I was kind of mentioning throughout the show how bad I was doing at some point. I actually ended up going 8-8, eight and eight, and here's the Essential Wrestling Podcast crew and how we did. Uh, minus you, Ryan. We weren't uh, as close friends as we are right now, but we did put in John Smith, uh, his 10-year-old son, Johnny, who did very well, but Tyler led the way. Uh, he went 12-4 with 255. Uh, he said there's major points at WrestleMania, but Tyler 12 and four, John the Connie 12 and four, uh, Gary went nine and seven. Me and John Smith, uh, we puttered uh, with an eight and eight with a low point total. You know those heavyweight championship matches are 50 points each, and uh, when you lose, when you bet on Bill Goldberg and you bet on Brock Lesnar and they both lose, uh, you, you tend to, you know, you, you took the gamble to try to get the the placements and the standings, and it didn't pan out. So. Uh, but hopefully, I do a little bit better this year. I hope so. This was a, this was a lot of fun. I yeah. I love going back and watching these old WrestleManias. When you said let's watch WrestleMania 36, I was like, mm, really? Um, but <laughs> this was, I mean, but that's that's probably why nobody will go back and watch it. A lot of people are going to have that feeling. But I really enjoyed it. I had a great time with it. And I think that was the problem. That was the problem with people going into it. People were defeated by this show. Going into it, knowing there wasn't going to be a crowd. Yeah, they they the show sucked before it started, and that's another that's that's not fair. If you went in fresh or excited like I was, because it's like we were waking up every day and this guy was out or this guy was in and this guy's hurt and this. If you had the general excitement, then you were good. But if you let the fact, I guess I want to say you're weak minded, but if you let the fact that the show was already garbage because there wasn't a crowd. And this is, this is, you were beat going into it. And then yeah, this, this mania wasn't bad. Hopefully maybe if, you, if people go back and watch it a second time, uh, like, you know what, this was good wrestling. And that's all it was. That's all it could have been. Yeah. It was good wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. I can't say it better. So Al, anything else before we get out of here today? This was better. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, this is this was great. I'm, I'm, I've been, like I said, I was itching to do this because I was supposed Tyler and I was supposed to start with this show on the Essential Wrestling Podcast. We were supposed to start with a preview and a recap, and then just roll forward from there. And that didn't happen, which is fine. You know, the powers that be, you know, they 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 at the Eastern Observer. Uh, you know, it's powered by the Eastern Observer. You can taste the power, Ryan. Ready? <laughs> you can taste the power. Uh, our friends at the Eastern Observer, uh, they. They decided to hold us off, which is fine. You know, we're we're rolling, we're smooth sailing now. What's be is what's done is done. But uh, I've been itching to talk about this. I've been itching to just say my piece on an optimistic point of view because, like I said, everybody just was beat going into it, and it's just not fair considering they were going out of their way to do this for us. Yes, they were. And I want to end the show with a quote from the Undertaker: "Stay with me, boy. Stay with me." <laughs> We're just getting started. <laughs> if I can find my outro. <laughs>